Hello everyone, you're listening to a brand new episode of the Whole Story Podcast, a podcast that takes you into someone's career and it gives you a little look differently than what you may be expecting. So on today's episode, Evan Parker, the general manager of The Athletic, joining the Whole Story Podcast today. Evan, it's a little bit different out there, not only in the world, but particularly in the sports world. How are you holding up? I know it's a stressful time for everyone, not just one area is affected by this, but everyone is affected by this. Alex, thanks for having me on. And if uh, there's any weird noises in the background, it's because my, my coworker is a 70 pound uh, lab mix, <laughs> but um, trying to trying to keep uh, life as normal as possible, giving out everything going on. And, you know, we, uh, the athletic, it's a sports journalism company, and certainly it's a lot easier to cover sports when sports are being played, but everybody's trying to figure out this, uh, this new normal. Look, the sports world, yes, there are no live sports happening, but every single day there are just an overwhelming amount of sports news. And whether or not, I, I know Major League Baseball is opening day was scheduled for tomorrow, and now it's to be announced. But still, those games are happening. They're replaying the top 30 games that Major League Baseball has chosen. But also, it gives the writers at The Athletic a time to let their creative juices flow and to step outside of the box a little bit and to take the time that we now have, the free time that you know most of these writers and reporters are flying at 150% this time of year for the most part. And now they have a lot of free time on their hands, so this gives them the opportunity to let those juices flow and to almost dive in and take a moment to look back at some of the top moments we've saw in the last few years. Yeah, you know, we're lucky. I, I truly believe that The Athletic has the uh, the best crop of sports journalists anywhere uh, assembled in the country, certainly, um, and, you know, potentially the world. And, and as a result of that, we've got an ability to, to send our writers out there and, and cover some, some really great events um, when sports are being played. And a lot of the coverage that our, our team uh, – writes about a lot of what they do is not game stories you know we're not doing a lot of like hey here's this game was played this person scored that this is how it happened i mean we try to always go deeper and i think because of that we're well poised for what's going on in in the world right now because we're not so reliant on games being played in order to, to to tell uh stories and so you know, we've got a really talented crop of people who are, are now uh, spending their time trying to think creatively about what would be an interesting story to tell to sports fans across the world. Um, and, and some of the work that, that's been done, I think, is as good, if not better, than what we were reading on The Athletic even before the coronavirus crisis, just because of how creative our, our, our journalists are and um, how, how deep they've been able to get mm-hmm. to tell these, these different stories about what people are doing um, when, when sports aren't being played. And I think we've been able to see also a lot of ideas that, you know, maybe were on the cutting room floor in the past that they just didn't have the time to do. They're able to now go out there and tell some, some interesting stories that they may have always wanted to, but just, you know, couldn't really prioritize uh, versus staying on top of all the news that was going on about sports in general. When people see the title general manager, again, typically the readers of The Athletic are sports fans. How could you relate your position for The Athletic as to a GM of a team? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's aside from the title, there's very little that is, uh, is connected. I mean, I think that the average person, average sports fan thinks about 
the general manager of the team being the person who's you know leading the scouting department and cobbling together the uh, the players and and everything like that and you know there's a there's certainly a personnel element to what I do um, but my focus is really on the business end of the athletic and it's trying to come up with partnerships um, that we can mm. we can broker and and different ways that we can drive subscriptions it's managing um, not the newsroom from the editorial standpoint not not telling anybody what to write not editing any stories but from the business standpoint how do we make sure that we are staying within the right budget that we're allocating budget to the things that matter the most. And that we're managing the business in a way that's sustainable and is going to help us grow over, over the long term. So um, there are certainly aspects of it, I guess, that are, are kind of similar to a GM, maybe from a personnel standpoint, but but you know, it's just slightly so. Um, I'm not the guy who's out there scouting the young the young reporter and deciding whether or not they make sense for our business and putting them on uh, on a beat. Um, we've got a really talented staff on the editorial side for that. Um, way, way better at what they do um, from an editorial standpoint than, than I've ever been or ever could be. And so I try to stay out of their world and, and let them run that side of things and, and just focus on the business. When you intern with the Redskins, when you first started out in media relations, how much did that impact your own mindset on the career that you wanted to have in the sports industry? It's an interesting question, Alex. I mean, when I got the internship with the Washington Redskins. It, it was really the first time I ever thought about sports as being a business. Um, mm. I went to journalism school at the University of Maryland. I thought for pretty much all four years that I was in school that, that I was going to end up being a journalist, that I was going to be on, on TV doing play-by-play for basketball or writing about sports for a newspaper or something like that. And that was what I really geared all of my time to, just trying to get better at the craft. And when I had an opportunity going into my senior year to, to go and um, coach Joe Gibbs was back for his first year uh, from, from you know his second stint of coaching. And they were doing a press conference, a radio station that was in D.C. needed somebody to go out and get some sound bites. And I had a buddy of mine who um, was asked, he was an intern at the radio station, didn't know much about sports, didn't care much about sports. And he was like, well, I got I, my, my friend Evan can come with me and he can ask the questions and, and I can just uh, be there to get him in, in the door. And so I got a chance to go and, and be there with, with Coach Gibbs and, and pull some quotes for this radio station. And in doing that, I met a guy who at the time was leading PR for the Skins and introduced myself and learned more about what he did and didn't really think about PR as even and, and a, a place in the industry that I could work. I had never really thought about it. And that was that first moment. I was like, Oh, you know what? There's actually this whole world. There are so many people who are behind this team, actually more people who work in the office who are just making this machine run. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people who are on the field and who are playing or people who are up in the press box and who are, you know, writing about it or covering it. And, uh, and, and because of that, I, I kind of changed my mindset and thought maybe that I was better off being on the business side of sports than on the journalism side. And here we are, you know, 15 plus years later from from when I worked for the Skins, and I'm back in journalism again. I'm not a writer, and, and I don't I don't do journalism myself. But it's funny to see how it's all kind of come full circle. Where where I thought I'd be um, when I was back in college is, is where I am now. It's a very different position than I thought I was going to have. But I'm I'm working for the type of company that I always envisioned I would. Obviously, like you said, you aren't a writer, you aren't a journalist. Was it a challenge for you basically saying, well, I went to college having an idea of what I wanted to do, and then you found another love in, in, in the same families, uh, so to say. Was it a challenge for you to almost say, okay, I'm going to leave journalism behind me and go out on this new path? 
you know, journalists have a really, really rough um, career path. And I'm so impressed by the by the staff that we have at The Athletic, those who have really shown an ability to stick with the business and grow and improve and get to the kind of the top to the pinnacle. It's not easy. It's just not an easy path. I think when you get out of school, the jobs for you, at least when, when I was starting, especially the jobs were these tiny little newspapers and small towns or radio stations in small towns. And you were going to hop from one TV station, radio station, newspaper to the other, and you're always keeping your eyes open for the next opportunity and cobbling together experience, making no money, living somewhere you didn't necessarily want to live. And little by little, you got to where you wanted to eventually go. But it, it, it wasn't an easy path then. It's probably even harder now. Um, a lot of those little newspapers and TV stations and radio stations that were there when I was coming out of school are no longer in existence. And so the opportunities are, are probably fewer. I mean, now there are certainly blogs and, and different online uh, outlets that you can write for. A lot of them don't pay you, and a lot of them don't necessarily give you the tools and the training to be good at what you do. Um, but it, it's just a, it's a tough path. And so for me, when I was when I was coming out of school, my, my thought process was it would be really great to be, you know, I know you talked to Tim Brando and you've talked to, to Bob Bob Costas, guys like that. I, I want to try to be Bob Costas. What do I have to do to be Bob Costas? And the reality is there's only one Bob Costas. There are very few people who are even close to his level. And there aren't that many people even at that next level down who are doing national or even like high-end local play-by-play broadcasting in the United States. It's such a tough job to get. And for us, Ken Rosenthal, who you, you've talked to, to be where Ken is, I mean, those are just not not easy positions to get. My thought process was I really want to work in sports. Um, and, and the way that I get into the sports industry is important, but at the same time, I want to make sure that this is where I spend my career. And so uh, business for me was it was not just where my passion was. It was where I also thought I had the best opportunity to, to make an impact and, and the best opportunity to get real relevant experience from the day I graduated. And, and, and put myself on a path to long-term success. Um, and the journalists that we have at The Athletic, I, again, I'm always impressed by what they've been able to do and, and, and how they've been able to navigate a very tricky industry. But it, it is tricky. And, um, you know, one thing I always tell students when I'm talking to even journalism schools is just make sure that you know there are a lot of jobs in this industry that are not just playing, coaching, being the GM, or, or being the, uh, the TV, you know, being on SportsCenter. There's a lot more out there. And the deeper that you get, the more that you see what, what takes place in the leagues and the teams and in the brands, like so many different opportunities for people that if they're able to take advantage of them, they can have a really nice career. How big is sports built into your passion for what you do? You know, I started out, um, my, my first job out of school was at Edelman, which is the largest public relations uh, firm in the world. And my first client that I uh, was on uh, was Xbox. And it wasn't really a sports-related job. I got to do sports projects, but that wasn't the, the focus of my of my job. It's funny, I actually got hired to work on the Lakers account. Hmm. Um, right, right, right out of school, I had an opportunity. I grew up in LA. I was going to move back to LA and work at this PR firm on the Lakers account. There was not a better job in the world for me, <laughs> I thought. And in that two weeks between me accepting the job and me starting, the Lakers ended up going to a different agency and that account went away. And luckily, rather than them saying to me, Hey, sorry, that account's no longer here. You're not going to work here anymore. They said, there's something else that we think you could do. And we're going to put you on the Xbox business. And so I spent a couple of years working on Xbox and learning the, the craft of PR, learning about business, learning about partnerships, uh, consumer electronics and tech and things like that. 
that's done an incredible uh, service to me now in my career and has given me relationships and, and, and background and experience that, that I definitely needed. I knew I wanted to work in sports, but I was, I was content doing what I was doing uh, on the Xbox business. I, I could have seen a long-term career kind of on, on that path, but I, I always wanted to get as deep into sports as I could. And it was, I, I at least wanted to have that opportunity and, and try. And if it didn't work out, it was going to be okay. Not everybody ends up having like their dream career. Um, but it, but it was important for me to at least try. And so I, I, while I was at Edelman, I looked for different opportunities to work with the sports department that Edelman had and work on sports clients or do sports projects with Xbox. And little by little, I got more experience until I got moved over to the sports department within Edelman. And then that got me to NASCAR and then NASCAR over to the athletic, mm -hmm. but it was always important to me, but I, but I caution to people who are in school to, to say, you know, like, don't think of this as there's this dream job. And if I don't get it, then I'm a failure. This is the only thing that matters. I've got to work towards this. And if I don't get this and I didn't do my job, um, because the reality is none of us really know when we're in school exactly what we want to do. Well, we, we have an idea and we try to work towards that. But my career has taken 15 different twists and turns to get me where I am today. Um, and I don't know that I would have gotten where I am today if I didn't allow myself to take those twists and turns mm -hmm. and go off kind of the, the, the path that I thought that I was going to be on. In your LinkedIn bio, one of or the closing sentence says, staying curious and in the past that you were talking about the twists and turns using your words at what moment did you have to say to yourself i can't be comfortable i can't be complacent especially in if it's a sports industry or on the outside looking in to get, finally get into the sports industry to get to your point today it's a, it's a good question I and mean, i don't have a good answer for you i don't i don't know there wasn't a, a moment that I kind of came to that realization. I think it was just something I've always been a curious person. I love to read. I love to consume as much as I can. I, you know, I, the, the opening up a newspaper was always one of my favorite things to do when I was growing up. And now it's opening up new different newsletters and the athletic mm -hmm. and the New York times and all these other things. I just want to read and learn, listen to podcasts. Um, and, and I think that's an important trait. I, I think everybody should be curious and, and want to, to broaden their horizons. Um, and you just have to have, uh, you have to take everything, um, you know, with, with a grain of sand here and, and, and just feel like at the end of the day, you want to learn as much as you can, experience as much as you can, meet as many good people as you can, try different things, try to figure it out because it's just, it's an interesting world. And if you, you if you have blinders on, if there's only one thing that matters, one, one thing that you're going to, you're going to miss out on a lot of really interesting things. And I think now, you know, if somebody said to me, Hey, you can take this job at Edelman on the Xbox business where you can follow the Lakers account and you can go do that job at the different agency that the Lakers went to, which would you rather do? And at the time, maybe I would have said, well, I, I wanted that job for the Lakers to give me the Lakers. But now having the experience that I have, being able to look back on my career, the experience that I got working on that Xbox business, the experience that I got at Edelman is some of the most ex important experience in my life. And the relationships that I built there continue to be important to me today from friendships to, to business contacts. And even though it isn't that closely tied to what I do for a living today, um, and even though if you look back on my resume, you're like, oh, like, that's interesting. He hopped from here to here to here and mm -hmm. got to where he is today. Um, you know, again, not the most traditional path, but I, I would never trade that experience for, for you know, for anything. And, um, and so I, I just think it's always important for people to keep that perspective and realize that whatever they're doing now, as long as they make the most of it, as long as they stay curious and learn as much as they can, meet as many people as they can, be good to people, work hard eventually they're going to get to where they want to go. And again, it doesn't mean you know where you want to go, but eventually you'll get somewhere good. 
Evan, when was the last time you were thoroughly excited about something that you did in the sports industry, maybe with the athletic? I mean, that, that's the beauty of my job. Every day I get to work um, in the sports industry at the highest levels uh, from a media standpoint. I mean, we're surrounded by the best people at what, what they do. I mean, the journalists, you talk to Ken Rosenthal, he broke probably the biggest story in sports in the last you know handful of years uh, with, with the Astros cheating scandal with Evan Drellich. The two of them broke this thing wide open that is changing, um, you know, kind of changed history in a way with sports with baseball and it's certainly changing the way the MLB is, is uh, managing things going forward. I mean, that, that's a massive, massive story. I had nothing to do with it. Right. I mean, I wasn't writing it. I wasn't feeding them information. I wasn't editing their stories, but to be a part of that and to see the day the story broke or every time they broke something else was incredibly exciting. And to feel like you're, you know, you're not really a part of it because you didn't do the work, but you're a part of it because you're part of that company. You're part of the infrastructure and you're providing them support and providing them the work experience that they're looking for. Um, and making the athletic a great place for journalists to work. I mean, it, it, that's something that I'm incredibly proud of, and, and I played such a small role, if any, um, in, in that. But every day there's something else that comes out that's really exciting. I mean, I, I love my time at NASCAR. I learned a ton, mm-hmm. met some incredible people. It was a, a really great experience. But when I was at NASCAR, I, I worked for one sport, right? I mean, every day it was about that auto racing. And the cool thing about the athletic that I found in, in my you know nine or ten months being on, on this side of the business is that every sport's my sport now. Um, no matter what's going on in the world, there's always something happening in the sports world, and the athletic is covering a lot of it. Um, it could be college basketball, it could be Premier League soccer, it, it could be hockey in Canada. It doesn't really matter, but we're we're really everywhere, um, and that's the cool thing that there's never a boring day. There's never a day where there's not news. There's never a day where there aren't stories. Um, you know, we've got 500 plus reporters across the world who are working on things every day, and, and there are always going to be things for them to talk about. We haven't had a professional sports game in what two weeks, mm-hmm. and every single day we're putting out a few hundred pieces of content from the athletic, and I would say it's just as good as it was before. Um, and, and, and that's really exciting to be a part of. You spent close to over eight years at NASCAR. Were you a racing fan before this? I didn't grow up a racing fan. Um, it wasn't it wasn't something that I, I watched much as a kid. Um, but when I was in college, a, a roommate of mine was a, a big NASCAR fan, and I had a chance to watch a couple races. And then out of college, when I was at Edelman, I went to a couple races with friends just to, to see what it was like, and, and really fell in love with it. And I got the job from an old boss who was called by somebody at NASCAR looking for some young talent to put into the entertainment business at NASCAR. And I just got lucky that my name came up in a conversation. And, and you know, while, Matt, while I, grew, I grew up a basketball fan first and foremost, but, um, you know, that, that would have been like, oh, let me go work for the NBA. That could be the, the dream job. Um, NASCAR wasn't necessarily that on the surface, but I got such uh, great experience out of it and developed so much love for the sport and for the people involved mm-hmm. and, and for, for the experience that I had. It was really a great experience. It's such an incredible sport, and I think a lot of people don't really understand it. If you didn't grow up with it, then you, you look at it and say, that's not for me. But if you take the time to, to pay attention, to go to a race, to watch one on TV, to talk to somebody who's a fan, to, to really root for a specific driver, um, I think most of the time when I would take people out to the racetrack for the first time, they'd tell me I'm not a fan of the sport, I don't know anything about it, and then by the end of it, they'd say that was an amazing experience and that they loved everything about it. They may not watch every race. They may not be diehards after that. Who knows? But but at least they they um, appreciated the experience. It's like 
the most viscerally overwhelming experience you could ever put your body through. The way that the track smells, how loud it is, mm. the movement of the cars, the vibration, the speed, all that kind of stuff, the stuff was really, really overwhelming in a very cool way. And getting the chance to do that for eight years and bring people to the racetrack for the first time and show them that world was something that was, was very cool and very special. What lesson did you learn most working for NASCAR that ultimately you took to your current position with The Athletic? Yeah, I would say a few. Uh, one, if you're no matter what you're working for, you have to believe in it. Um, it was important for me, even though I didn't grow up a huge NASCAR fan, to become a huge NASCAR fan as quickly as possible because if I was going to convince other people to watch the sport and other people to, to become fans, I had to be one myself. And the, the most successful people I worked with at NASCAR were the ones that truly believed in the product and truly loved mm. the sport. And that was a really good lesson, one that I'll take with me everywhere I go. If you're going to work somewhere, believe in it. If you don't believe in it, you probably shouldn't be doing that job and you should find something else. So I think that was a big one. And then the other one I think is about relationships that, you know, if you're good to people and if you don't ask for favors all the time and you raise your hand and offer help when you can and you are easy to work with and people like you, um, people are going to be in your in your corner and people are going to want to work with you down the line. And, and now that I'm at The Athletic, there are things I'm doing on the business development side and companies I'm calling on. And I'm calling on a lot of the relationships that I built in my eight years at NASCAR. And because I was good to those people when I was there, and because they enjoyed their time with me, they're, they're willing to pick up the phone or they're willing to make introductions on my behalf or work with me on something. Um, and, and, and that was something that, not that I didn't know that going in. I mean, I, I, I think that that's something that everybody should know automatically or, or you know, pr pretty quickly in their careers. But they really solidified at NASCAR watching the people that I worked with um, and watching the ones that were the most successful or the people who just really were well-liked and, and, um, and well-respected. I worked for... Steve Phelps, who's the president of NASCAR now, um, he was, uh, when I started, he was the chief marketing officer and the chief sales officer. And I got to, to watch him through some, some business development exercises um, as we were trying to find sponsors for the sport and watching how he interacted with the, the prospects we were talking to it was something that I'll, I'll always kind of take with me, though, the way that he treated them, uh, how much he learned about their business, how personalized everything was that he did, and that he'd sit there on, on a call with a, with a potential partner and he would know something about their family. He would know where they went to school. He would know, you know, all, all these different things that, that about them that he picked up in other conversations or from people that he knew or from a little bit of like research. But I was always blown away by how much of an impact that made. And people would leave these conversations with him and, and, and I think always feel like they talked to somebody that they liked and that they could trust. And it led to, to a lot of really good things for the sport. And that's something that I've, I've kind of taken with me that, if I'm doing business development and trying to find partners for the athletic, it, my relationships, the way that I treat people is what's going to get that next deal done. It's not going to be because I've got this incredible company behind me or I've got this amazing idea. I mean, those things help, but the relationships are ultimately what matter the most. When you are in the position that you are with the athletic, it's all about the relationships like you were saying. What's kind of one thing that you've really worked on the past few months with the athletic and creating content and a way a business strategy almost that you have to get people engaged and in engaging whether it's not it's a business partner that you're working with or a reader that reads the athletic every day or maybe every other day to get them to read every day it's a good question, Alex. I mean, there's a lot that we're trying to do every day. You know, we, we launched some franchises this week for baseball with, you know, the season was supposed to start this week. 
Um, and we wanted to have some more kind of regularly programmed content that people could recognize and, and understand was going to come on a certain day to, to build up that habit of coming into the app. And so we, we launched that this past week. We're, we're going to be launching newsletters for the same reason to, to get out there and um, just put something in people's inboxes that will get them to be paying attention to, to us and our, and our way of storytelling, our way of breaking news on a daily basis. We've got some partnerships that we had to put on hold because of coronavirus that we're going to be launching this week. And, 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 you know, we hope that those get back out there pretty soon, but um, partners in, in, in the world that um, are going to be able to offer the athletic up as subscriptions to their customers and to people in their networks that we think we're, are going to do a great job for, for us to get the word out about, about who we are as a brand and, and introduce more people to, to the athletic. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that we have in the works. It's interesting now. We, we've been working so hard over the last few months to kind of get ready for baseball season. Baseball is mm-hmm. big for us. We've got somebody covering every team in the major leagues right now, um, and, and that's something that I don't believe any other outlet has, somebody in every clubhouse. And and so baseball is, is one of our biggest sports. And a lot, a lot of work went into getting ready for the start of the season, and then, of course, now that's all on hold. And so we're in that, that process today of trying to think through, okay, well, baseball was supposed to start on the 26th. It's the 25th, and it, it ain't going to start um, anytime soon at least. And so how do we pivot, and how do we make sure that we're still delivering the best possible content to our existing subscribers? Our, our, you know, We've got around a million subscribers worldwide. How do we make sure that they're getting something in the app every single day that they want to read and want to engage with? And then how do we make sure that the great content that we continue to produce is going to be um, seen by people who, who may be sitting at home now with a little bit more time on their hands because they're not watching sports, because they're not going out and hanging out with friends? Um, how do we make sure that those people are seeing what we're doing and get a chance to sample it? So we've got a, a 90-day free trial offer that we just um, we just put out there to, to give people a, a way to come in without having to spend a penny. Um, but just just see what we're doing and um, and see the great work and hopefully we're going to be able to convince people that they want to they'll want to be with us when baseball comes back when basketball comes back when the NFL starts because the content it really is that good and we're talking about some of the best journalists in the world all under the same roof telling incredible stories and it's an ad free environment that we've built on subscriptions I mean the the, the reality is journalism uh, has been in, in a in a hurt a hurting world for for many years now as the advertising model continues to show itself as not being sustainable. Um, and, and so the New York Times is doubling down on subscriptions, the LA Times, the, Wall, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal. I mean, subscriptions seem to be the way, way that, that this world is going. And we're the only one who's really doing it like this in sports. And so um, we're giving a lot of jobs to a lot of great journalists out there. We're allowing them to do really great work. We're not making them beholden to, to uh, page views or to a sponsor message or anything like that. The copy is clean of banner ads and pop-ups, and, and, and it's just uh, something I, I truly believe in. As somebody who went to school for journalism, this is this is the best place to do it. Um, and, and now we just need to make sure we, we show that to more people around the world and get them excited about what I'm excited about. How big is that 90-free-day um, subscription and the importance of it? Because one of my biggest pet peeves is someone saying, I'm not paying to read an article. And I always will say to myself, sometimes I'll delete the tweet, is you're paying for content that not only you believe in, but the writers believe in, that the readers believe in, that are already subscribed to The Athletic. If you want good content, you have to give up a little something. And it's not like it's a million dollars. It's basically, like you said, pennies. Um, And it's great content 
for you to learn. And, and like Ken Rosenthal said the other day, a writer for the a senior writer for the Athletic, is you know the only way you learn in life is simply reading, and that's what these subscribers are doing. They're learning by reading the great content that they're putting out. You know, if you went to um, a sandwich shop and they were offering you a sandwich, you would assume that you had to pay for it. And if you went to a car dealership, you'd assume that you needed to, to pay for the car that you got. Um, we're conditioned in pretty much every way to pay for the things that we consume or the things that we use. Where, it, it, where that doesn't seem to be true right now is in journalism. I think people just assume because the Internet's been around for a very long time and journalism for the most part has been free, that content should be free or it should be subsidized by somebody else. The reality is, though, you have to pay the writers. You have to pay to have them travel. You have to pay for the people to build the website, maintain the website, and do all those things that make the athletic what it is that costs money. The only way to have that money come in is to have people pay for it. Um, and there are two basic ways, I guess, you could have people pay for it. It's either done on advertising or it's done on subscription. And the advertising model has been what has uh, sort of been the way that things have been done for, since the Internet days, really, right? And, it, you know, it, it's just not sustainable. I think you, you're seeing newspapers and websites fold left and right because it's very hard to build a business on advertising. It's just, it's just not possible, and you're not able to invest in the journalism in the same way because you don't have this guaranteed stream of revenue. Whereas with subscription, you've got people who are paying for the journalism, and so you have to you have to give them the journalism. Our stakeholders, the only thing that matters to us are our subscribers. They're kind of like our shareholders in a way. They're the ones that can help us figure out what we need to do. If they're not happy, then we're not doing our job. And um, you know, so I see all the time people on Twitter saying that there's a paywall. I'm not going to read it, or I'll never pay for sports. And and I, and I don't totally understand where that comes from because you're using something that costs money to produce, so you should pay for it. Um, just like you pay for other things in your life. Uh, we're not going to win everybody over. There are certainly going to be people who are going to always be a holdout. My hope is with something like a 90-day free trial that people are going to be willing to just take a chance and see with, you know, hey, you can cancel. If you don't like it, don't pay for it. Cancel. Mm -hmm. uh, but give us a shot. And, and, I, and I hope in 90 days we can show you that we're better than the free content out there and that we're worth the the $5 a month that you're going to spend on this. I mean, realistically, if you're a sports fan, you're going to, events or you're watching on tv and i'm not saying that everybody that there's a ton of money floating around there and i know that we're in the middle of a, a, the start of a financial crisis so i don't want to make it seem like five dollars a month is is nothing because i know for a lot of people it is something um but a lot of sports fans who are out there going to games or have nfl sunday ticket or are buying beers when they when you know to, to meet up with friends or coffee at, at starbucks i mean $5 is, is, is one Starbucks latte, right? It's, it's half a beer at a baseball game. Um, and, and that gives you the athletic for a month. And so I hope that people understand that they're getting not just really good content, but really good content at a huge bargain when they pay for it. Um, and that there's no way for us to do what we do if it was free. If you go to the Dollar Tree, I bet you you're getting more things or more items than $5. Um, <laughs> but still... When you started with The Athletic last year, what is one thing that you wanted to bring? Because every time you start a new job, you have some ideas that you want to bring to your job that hasn't really been done before. And again, to, st to stay curious on the theme of pretty much your career, what is one thing you wanted to bring different to this company? The Athletic um, was built on incredible journalism and really good tech and product work. 
Yeah, and the reality is if you got rid of everybody like me within the company and you just kept people like Ken and our engineers, you'd still have a really great product and the athletic would be successful. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not the most vital uh, cog in the wheel here. Um, but what I, what I do bring is, is real sports experience from the business side of things, mm-hmm. from having worked at a league, from having worked at an agency, those relationships that I've built over you know, my 15 years working in the sports space. And so uh, right now, we're, we're kind of at this inflection point with, with the company where we've grown a lot based on people like Ken going out there and tweeting their stories. And we've grown a lot on just having great journalism and a great app. For us to get to that next level, it's going to be through partnerships. It's going to be through marketing. It's going to be through um, doing things that really break through the noise and convince people to give us a shot and, and things that can kind of hyperfuel our growth. And so that's something that I hope that I can bring to the table and use the experience that I got working for NASCAR, which is a 72-year-old brand um, that you know has, brings in you know incredible amounts of of fans every year and lots of sponsorship dollars and, and partners and things like that. And Edelman, who which is a you know family-owned brand that's been around since I believe the 1940s, and, and so these these places that are that are so entrenched and, and kind of so set in, in how they do things and, and successful, taking the, the lessons I learned there to a business that's growing that's just starting out. And I hope I can bring some things to the table where these other successful businesses I've been a part of can kind of show the athletic a little bit of, of the roadmap of what we can do and how we can grow. And also I have some experiences from my past that we, where things didn't go that well. And, and I hope I can help keep the athletic from making some of the same mistakes that a lot of the other businesses I've worked with or for have made in the past. It almost seems like, again, um, looking at your volunteering experience as well, it seems like you really, truly care about giving back to people that are growing in the industry, students. Um, what was one of the best pieces of advice someone told you that has stuck with you throughout this experience? I'm glad you asked that question. I mean, there are a couple um, organizations that I spend a lot of my free time working with. Uh, Sports Biz Camps is, is one, and it's a, mm. uh, a, a, a summer camp program for high school students who want to work one day in the sports industry. And uh, we launched last year in Charlotte. We've got a bunch of camps that are scheduled for the summer across the country. And, and it's a great opportunity where we focus mostly on, on students who um, you know, are diverse, female students, people of color um, who are trying to break into this industry. And, and so it, it's a, a joy for me to be able to give back and help other people kind of have the same opportunities and experiences that I've had. And, and, and what I've learned in my time and what I tell every student who I interact with either through sports biz camps or through Share Charlotte, an organization that I work with, or Skillify where, where I, I help mentor, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, it's be good to people, work as hard as you can, learn as much as you can, and good things will happen. And I, that seems like so, so kind of dumbed down that and obvious that everybody should know it. But the reality is that a lot of people don't kind of follow that path. And um, in, in my experience, the people who are the most successful are, are people who raise their hand to help whenever they can, who are, are there um, to, to kind of support people without having to get something in return, who are always willing to put in that extra effort at the job and learn as much as they can and work hard and, and, and you know, in my time working, that's always been what's gotten me to that next level. I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Um, if I am, we're all in trouble. I mean, every room that I'm in, I, I feel like I'm surrounded by people, especially at the athletic, I'm surrounded by people who are smarter than I am. Um, so how do I 
add value when I'm surrounded by people who know more things than I do or who are better at things than I do. It's because I'm going to work hard and I'm, I'm going to be good to people and I'm going to um, bring things from my past that can be helpful. And, um, you know, I, I think it doesn't matter who you are or what your experiences are. If you, if you treat people right, good things are going to eventually are going to come your way. Best advice that you have given to someone? I mean, uh, it's, it's probably that, um, but, it, but also to maintain your network as much as you can. Mm-hmm. I try as often as I can to reach out to people in, in my past and, and, and present and make sure that they remember that I, that I exist and not ask them for anything, but just, you know, hey, I was thinking about you, read this article I thought you'd find interesting, saw this about your company, I was impressed, I just did this, I thought you'd want to know, um, but just making sure that I stay top of mind. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've gotten the jobs that I've gotten. It's not not because I applied to some, you know, uh, monster dot com, uh, you know, blind resume portal. It's because somebody recommended me for the job. Somebody reached out to me about the job through the network that I have. And whenever I talk to people who are trying to to make their way in the industry, it's always to me, it's more about who you know than what you know. And I I know that's cliche, but it's it's also true. Um, and if you know the right people, and if you, if people are willing to look out for you to help you along, you're going to have you're going to have some success. You have to, you have to be good. You have to be nice. You have to work hard. I mean, all those things matter, but you have to also know people who can get you in the right doors and can introduce you to the right people. And, you know, some of the partnerships that I'm working on now are from pre-existing relationships from, from the past. And, and so it's just always, it's advice that, that I was given advice that I give. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just make sure you maintain your network at all costs and be good to people. Evan, my favorite part of uh, these interviews are, it's called the fast five quick round. It's just five Quick questions, and you have however long to take to answer them. Are you ready? Yep. Go to snack. I've been eating a lot of Cheez-Its since mm. I've been, been home the last few weeks, so Cheez-Its would probably be on the list, but also my dream job, I would tell this to my own boss right now, Haribo, the candy company, if they ever needed somebody to lead like uh, you know the, the tasting division to sample candy or something like that, I would, I would, I would leave the athletic tomorrow. Gummy bears are the way to go. Gummy bears are good. The, the sour skeddy, I think, is, is as good as any pasta you'll ever find. Fun fact, Vin Scully spent most of his career with um, a gummy bear in his mouth because the oil in the gummy bears are good for your voice. You know, I, I spent my entire life uh, in, in L.A. listening to Vin Scully, and that's something I never knew. So uh, that, that's very cool, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say that. To, I'm going to use that for other, other conversations. <laughs> I love that. Favorite sports movie of all time? Rudy is probably pretty high up on my list. I would say I would say Rudy. Actually, The Athletic is going to be coming out in the next week or so with the top 100 uh, sports movies of all time, uh, ranked by the writers at The Athletic. And I had a chance to, to vote on that. Rudy was, was towards the top of my list. Um, but, but there were a lot of really great films. It was cool to kind of go back through about 150 or so movies and, and pick my top ones. You know, I was with listening. Baseball starting, I'd say I'd have Major League up there too. With okay, baseball, getting ready to kick off. What's your should be What's your opinion on Field of Dreams? I like Field of Dreams. It's a it's a feel good movie. It's always fun to watch. Um, but when it comes to baseball movies, uh, there are other ones that I'd probably put in, in front of it. Major League being on there, I, I I'm gonna have people probably yell at me for this, but I think Illegally Own is a better movie than Field of Dreams, and one that I enjoy mm-hmm. more. Um, I love Angels in the Outfield. I love The Rookie. I mean, there's just a lot of really good baseball movies, both both around that. Um, that you know, I, I think uh, it, it's hard to beat baseball movies. They're probably better 
I would say baseball movies are from a sports standpoint, it's probably the sport that that's mm-hmm. delivered the best films uh, of any league, in my opinion. Dream car. I'm a I'm an old school guy, uh, and and I like trucks and, and SUVs. I, I would probably take like a a mid '90s Jeep Wagoneer, mm. you know, something with the 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 faux wood on the side. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm sure you talk to people who want their Ferraris and, and Lamborghinis, but but give me a you know a 1995 Wagoneer, and I'm going to be very happy driving around town. Dream vacation spot. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, living in the United States, there's so much cool stuff here. I've traveled overseas quite a bit and had some great experiences, but everything going on right now and the way that the economy in the U.S. is hurting, I think my next few trips are going to be here stateside trying to help out wherever I can. Uh, we live in Northern California up here and getting out to, um, you know, Carmel by the sea or, uh, you know, uh, going out to to some of the, the national parks in this area and everything like that. I think, I think that's where I'm going to spend my, my next, my next vacation is going to be somewhere along the coast of California, big Sur, helping out some of these uh, communities that are really hurting right now. If you could write one article with the athletic, what would it be about? I've been trying to convince somebody to write the oral history of the 1995 UCLA Bruin championship basketball team. Uh, Tyus Edney hit the, uh, the the last second 4.8 second shot against Missouri uh, to kind of propel the Bruins forward in the tournament. And then they went and they played Corliss Williamson in, in Arkansas uh, in the finals. And and for, for me as a kid, um, that's like a sports memory that, that will stick with me, you know, more than, than I think anything. And so um, I'd love to, to have somebody kind of go back and, and talk to the people on that team, Jim Herrick, the mm-hmm. coach, and George Zedek, Tyus Edney, Ed O'Bannon, Chris jo- uh Johnson and all these guys who uh, really made such a like an indelible impact on my on my childhood. Evan, my last question for you is simple: Where do you want to see the athletic five years from now? You know, it's something I think about every day. I think that the athletic is is telling some of the best stories in the world right now, and I, I just want to see us grow. There's not a, a a size that I hope that we get to. There's not um, there's not a bunch of other. You know, I'm not hoping that we become the athletic of politics and fashion and food, you know, I, I think we, I want to see us continue to do what we do and do it well, uh, but reach even more people across the globe and tell more global stories and start covering um, different countries in, in a bigger way. We're in the UK, we're in Canada, but I'd love to see us have a, a bigger international footprint, cover cricket in India and Australian rules football and, um, you know, La Liga and a bunch of other things. And, and so uh, we're on that path. And if we can continue to bring new people into the fold, drive new subscriptions, and keep everybody who's already subscribing, I think in five years we're going to be, we're going to be there, and we're going to be sort of when you think of, of the best place for news, maybe you think of the New York Times. When you think of the best place for sports, I hope you're thinking of the Athletic. Evan, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the Whole Story podcast today. And where can all of the listeners follow the Athletic and also read the Athletic? So, uh, you know, www.theathletic.com is, uh, is our website. If you've never been before and you try to click on an article, it'll take you to uh, this 90-day free trial offer. And uh, if you're curious at all, I suggest you, you give it a shot and read it for 90 days. Um, won't cost you a penny, and, and I guarantee that you're going to see a bunch of stuff that you love. And on, on all social media platforms, we're at The Athletic. And, you know, we cover everything. We cover soccer in the U.K. We cover hockey, basketball, baseball, football, uh, auto, uh, you know, motorsports, NASCAR, and things like that. We, we cover the, 
the big golf tournaments and we and uh, fantasy sports and boxing and MMA and, and just so much stuff with a really great cast of, uh, of writers. Ken Rosenthal, who you had on, David Aldridge and uh, Tim Kawakami and just so many people across the board. Dana O'Neill, just such a stellar um, list of, of writers and 150 or so podcasts that we have. So if you're a sports fan, if you're listening to this podcast, you care about sports, you probably care about sports business. Um, I think that you would you would find the athletic to be very worthwhile, especially when there's no strings attached for a 90 day free trial. Evan, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. I greatly appreciate it. This was fun, Alex. Thanks for having me. Of